Good morning, Wheaton Bible Church. That's nice to hear your voices. In a minute, we'll get to hear them singing. But for now, we're going to share a call to worship together. If you'd stand, please, and just practice with me this one phrase, because you're, you're going to say it four times, and I don't want it to be um, kind of shy. I want it to be bold. The phrase is, to live in praise of his glorious name. Can you say that? To live in praise of his glorious name. That's pretty good, actually. I think you, you've got a B plus. Now, can, can we say it again and get an A? To live in praise of his glorious name. And that's almost the answer to every question, isn't it? To live in praise of his glorious name. Will you worship God with me? Will you worship God with me? Blessed be God. Praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ we are blessed. In Christ we are chosen. To live in praise of his glorious grace. In Christ we belong in the family. Adopted. To live in praise of his glorious grace. In Christ the great mystery of God is revealed. To live in praise of his glorious grace. In Christ, we are called to be blameless and free. To live in praise of his glorious grace. And together, blessed be God. Praise praise to the Father of our Lord Lord Jesus Christ. And God's people said, Amen.
You may be seated. Well, once again, good morning. Welcome to Wheaton Bible Church. My name is Bill Oberlin. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. Uh, what a beautiful combination of keys and strings and voices. As we begin this new year in worship of Jesus, light of the world, Lord of the nations. As we continue this morning in worship, uh, we turn our eyes, our attention to the Lord's table. In the Gospels, religious leaders sometimes called Jesus a friend of sinners. It wasn't intended as a compliment. It was aimed as an accusation against Jesus expressing that he should know better and keep his distance from those failing to uphold God's standards. Mark 2 records, when the Pharisees saw Jesus eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he do that? Overhearing, Jesus answered, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I haven't come to call those who presume themselves righteous, but rather those who know they are sinners. This morning, an invitation to Jesus' table is before you. In his last hours and with his closest friends, Jesus shared a meal with them and spoke with them about a new symbolism of the bread and wine they would share together. His table is for those who recognize they need a doctor and invite his healing help. It is for those accepting the friendship of the one uh, who is the truest friend, the one who says, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sit down and dine with him or her and he or she with me. This morning you are invited to Jesus' table. Let's take a few moments to reflect and prepare our hearts. As we come to communion, this is a table for those who have said, Lord, I need your physician care. I receive you as Savior and Lord. I want to know your healing in my life. If you're here this morning and you're not quite there, we're glad you're here. 
keep hearing, keep listening for the voice of Christ. Uh, but for all who have taken that step, I invite us to take part in the meal Jesus invites us to. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took a loaf of bread and he broke it. And he said to his disciples, this bread represents my body, which will soon be broken for you. And he invited his disciples to take and eat the bread. Jesus then held up a cup and said, this cup represents a new covenant which will be written in my blood. My blood is shared for the forgiveness of many, many, many people. He invited his disciples to drink the cup. Lord Jesus, as we come this morning to gather, to worship, we thank you that you are a friend of sinners. Lord, more and more may your healing transform us and give us new life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In a minute, we're going to sing a song, the text of which is, In the secret of his presence, there my soul delights to hide. Lakshmi Gora was a woman raised in India and an orphan who was adopted and then due to political circumstances was sent back to the orphanage and was adopted a second time. And through all of that, and through this hymn, you can hear her testimony laced through as to how she um, faced sadness and discouragement. And yet she came to this point that she speaks to us today in the final verse. Would you like to know the sweetness of the presence of the Lord? And I think when we take up the Lord's cup, these are sweet moments, aren't they? And... I think about the times around the table when we can look people in the face and have times of special worship over, the, over a dinner. And I think of Jesus at the table with his disciples, looking them in the eyes like we're looking in each other's eyes. And these thoughts fill me as I listen to Lakshmi's beautiful text. So it's both... A, a text of testimony that she gives for us to voice, but it's also a text of invitation. And so I invite you to join us in singing in the secret of his presence. Would you stand please?
One of the great things about being part of a larger body of Christ is that we get to, there's so, such a wide vast of people that we have. And one of the neat things about our specific body is that there's multiple people who write songs for the Lord. And so we have Tony, who has uh, written hundreds and has his own hymnal and so many things that we use on an ongoing basis. And more recently, I've gotten to know some newer members of our congregation, Abe and Lisa Phillip. You guys can come on up. They have written over 100 scriptures 
Easter songs, and they uh, have put them online. It's called, their website is songsfromscripture.com. And so they have a bunch of songs, and their heart is to write songs for the body of Christ that we would dwell deeply and richly in the Word. And so they have other things that they do. You know, um, Abe is a dentist, but uh, in their free time, they write some songs. And so I thought it would be good for us to start to incorporate some of their songs into our repertoire and rotations. And so uh, they're going to introduce to you their song, uh, Lift Your Hearts. And so they're going to start, and then we'll join as we go and um, just introduce you to a new, uh, new musicians in our body. So here we go. Praise we sing with adoration for the gospel's joyful sound. You have loved us, ever loved us, sinners with salvation crowned. Lift your hearts and sing to Jesus, though the battle rages on from the Oh, the battle rages on for us. 
Thank you so much for that wonderful original hymn. I uh, want to remind you uh, this morning, ushers, you may come forward uh, as we continue in worship uh, that you can give through the offering here. Uh, if you'd like to give an offering online, you can do that at wheatonbible.org forward slash give uh, or by sending a check to the church office. Uh, ushers, you may pass the plates. Thank you. For all the latest in our church family news, don't forget to check out our weekly news 27W, our weekly email newsletter. If you're not signed up, you can scan the QR code ahead of you or head to the church website. As a congregation, as a church family, uh, we value and prioritize connection and community. As we begin the new year, we hope you will experience relationships of connection and growth here at Wheaton Bible Church. We have a video about that. Let's take a listen. Hey church, my name is Ashley Sell and this is my husband, Mike Sell, and we are part of a life group at Wheaton Bible Church. Life Groups has meant a lot to both of us. Um, we got married about five years ago and we uh, were straight out of Wheaton College. Mm -hmm. And that was a really transitional period for us. We had a lot of friends that moved out of Wheaton and we didn't have a whole lot of built-in community. And so joining Life Groups at that time was really important for us. Another thing that we love about our Life Group is everyone brings something unique to the table. We have people that are into physics, people that are into lifting weights, we have people that are into teaching. Every spiritual gift then as well is represented so that we can pour and feed into one another. It has been critical for the growing of our faith and everyone else's in the group. There are so many takeaways from re-engage. Um, one, the tools that you can use during re-engage and then beyond. And then the community that we've gained from re-engage. A lot of new friends. Just to be able to have that fellowship in a small group setting where you're learning from other people practically how how they're doing applying God's Word in their own lives. I personally would recommend re-engage for, for any couple, um, regardless of how long you've been together or where you might rate your relationship. De hecho, uno de los grupos que más nos ayudaron fue el grupo de re-engage en español, que recién terminó y ha sido el mejor material que he conocido para matrimonios que he experimentado y estamos muy felices, tanto mi esposa y mis hijos, porque es un regalo para toda la familia. Para nosotros fue muy importante llegar a un grupo en el que empezamos a conocer hermanos, porque si no, entrábamos por las puertas y salíamos por las puertas el domingo como si nadie nos conociera y nadie sabía nada de nosotros en realidad. Entonces, um, el, el estar en un grupo fue lo que comenzó para nosotros el poder empezar a conocer hermanos y, y poder recibir de ellos y nosotros también poder 
dar a ellos también. La verdad es que veo una cultura de querer crecer y aprender y centrarnos en, en el Evangelio y en la Palabra. Y, y yo creo que cuando tenemos oportunidades de hacerlo juntos es cuando de verdad podemos ayudarnos a mantenernos firmes y a verdaderamente crecer. Entonces, le animo a que lo haga. Everyone watching this video has unique spiritual skills and the Lord wants you to pour into others and use the beautiful gifts that he has given you to love others and love him. Well, we are made for community, both for what we receive from our connection with others, but also what we have to give to one another in living out the one another's of Scripture. As you leave the service later today, take some time to browse the tables in the atrium and explore the wealth of opportunities for you to connect and to grow in community here at Wheaton Bible Church. As we turn to prayer, uh, in all of our services this first Sunday of 2024, we want to pray on our knees. Bowing before God, kneeling in prayer, is a scriptural, physical posture meant to express our inner reverence before God and recognition of our dependence upon Him. In all our services this morning, contemporary, traditional, in Iglesia, We're also using a modified Puritan prayer from the book, The Valley of Decision. Uh, if you're able, I uh, invite you to kneel in prayer as we come before the Lord this morning. From a Puritan prayer. Heavenly Father, long life does not profit us except the days are spent in your presence, in your service, for your glory. Therefore, we pray that you give us a grace that precedes, follows, guides, and sustains us, a grace that purifies us, that aids us every hour, that we may not live one moment apart from you. May we rely on your Spirit to supply each thought, every word, direct each step, prosper every work, build up every ounce of faith in us. Give us a desire to show forth your praise, to testify of your love, to advance your kingdom. We are ready to navigate through the unknown waters of this year with you, O Father, as our harbor, with you, Lord Jesus, at our helm, with you, Holy Spirit, filling our sails. Guide us to heaven with lamps burning, our ears open to your calls, our hearts filled with your love, our souls freed by your mercy. Lord, give us your grace to sanctify us, your comforts to cheer us, your wisdom to instruct us, your right hand to guide us, your counsel to teach us, your law for our judgment 
your presence our security. Lord, may your fear be our awe, your triumphs our joy. May we, by your power, presence in the ministry of your Spirit, in 2024 become more and more a people of love. May we, Wheaton Bible Church, Iglesia del Pueblo, become more and more people who love you, love one another, love our neighbors, and love the nations. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we'll get all our exercise in this morning. Would you please stand in reverence for God's Word? Our scripture reading this morning is from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3. Paul writes, For this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's writing to thousands of Christ followers in the ancient megacity of Ephesus. This past February, I had the privilege of visiting the remains of ancient Ephesus near Izmir, Turkey, while at a conference with some of our church's international partners. In the first century, Ephesus was the fourth largest city after Rome Alexandria in Egypt, and Antioch in Syria. The New Testament book of Acts, chapter 19, documents Paul's two-year ministry in Ephesus. This is a bit of what we read in Acts, chapter 19. While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. Some refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. The way was the first description of Christianity. So Paul left them. He took disciples with him and moved his discussions to the lecture hall, the public lecture hall of Tyrannus, 
This went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. During his time there, God did extraordinary miracles through Paul, healings, exorcisms. The Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus were seized with fear, and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed confessed and abandoned former deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of these uh, magic arts books, the total came to 50,000 drachma. In today's currency, that would be roughly $5 million. The word of the Lord spread widely and grew in power. About this time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. A silversmith named Demetrius, who made silver shrines of Artemis, the, the, the goddess, brought in a lot of business for the craftsmen there. He called together his fellow workers from related trades and said, you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and throughout the whole province of Asia in, in western present-day Turkey. Paul says that gods made by human hands are not gods at all. There's a danger that our trade will not only lose its good name, but also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia and the world, will be robbed of her divine majesty. A great uproar ensued in the amphitheater in Ephesus. You can read more in Acts 19. But the temple of Artemis was twice the size of the Parthenon in Athens. It had 60-foot columns. It was counted as one of the, one, the seven wonders of the ancient world. Images of it are found on ancient Roman coins. Demetrius' fears about the reputation of Artemis was reasonable. In the following centuries, worship of Artemis diminished. In 268 AD, Goths invaded the city, set fire to the temple, and it was eventually abandoned in 407 AD. While at the same time, faith in Christ spread throughout the Roman Empire and beyond to become the world's largest, most globally distributed, most ethnically diverse faith the world has ever known. I'm wondering if the danger for us is becoming inoculated against a genuine faith and experience of Christ by kind of a sentimental sprinkle of comfortable churchianity. Not at all that Christ himself is lacking but that our understanding and genuine devotion to Him would be found wanting. About eight years following Paul's time in Ephesus, 
He was in confinement of Rome, in Rome, awaiting a trial before Nero. During this imprisonment, he wrote the letter to the Ephesians. The majority of Ephesian believers were from pagan Gentile background. Many had left worship of Artemis or Diana and other Greek and Roman gods and goddesses or occult practices to worship Christ. Paul pours out praise to God in writing to this vibrant young church saying God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He's adopted us into his forever family through Christ who came to buy us back from bondage and, and restore our broken relationship with God. Paul assures his readers that anyone who hears and believes the gospel, for any such person, God's Spirit takes up residence in that person's heart and life. We read in Ephesians chapter 1, you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of His glory. If you go to the University of Chicago and visit the Oriental, Oriental Institute Museum, you'll find there a collection of ancient seals. Some are cylinder-shaped, uh, some are, are circular and, and would be found on a signet ring, but those seals were used to impress in wax upon uh, a, a document or uh, a possession, this is my property. This is official royal business. Remember at Jesus' tomb it says that a guard was set in place and a seal was put on his tomb. Now that doesn't mean it was hermetically sealed like a mayonnaise jar. It means that Pilate's seal was, putting, was put on that tomb saying, do not disturb. This is official Roman government business. And Paul tells us that the Holy Spirit within us is God's seal upon us. That we belong to him that we are adopted by Him. The Holy Spirit is a down payment, a guarantee of commitment and an assurance of much more to come. In April of 2018, a young man named Juan Jose Gable, or, or Johnny, invited my daughter to take a walk on a beach. And as they were walking, Johnny got down on one knee and he pledged his love to my daughter 
and ask if she would pledge the same. And he took out a ring and he placed it on her finger. The Holy Spirit is Christ's engagement ring to you. That you are his and he is yours and an assurance of his commitment to you and a foretaste and a promise of much, much more to come. So early in his letter, Paul prays for these young Christians whom he loves. He says, I keep asking that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. I love that phrase. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be opened so that you may know the hope that he's called you to. We're called from a hopeless end to an endless hope to the glorious uh, inheritance that belongs to his people. In Christ, we go from bankruptcy to a marvelous inheritance. That you might know his incomparably great power toward us who believe. In Christ, we move from weakness and vulnerability to security in his strength. Paul continues in his letter reminding the Ephesian believers of Christ's remarkable work in their lives. He says, because of God's great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ when we were as good as dead in our sins and transgressions. God raised us up and gave us a seat with Christ in the heavenly realms, so that in the coming ages he more might unfold and pour out all that his glorious riches entail. Lest we forget or misunderstand, Paul underscores that all of this is at God's initiative, from his kindness, not a result of our merit or our efforts. For by grace you've been rescued through your faith in Him. This is not from yourselves, it's a gift from God that no one can boast. For we become God's handiwork. We become Christ's masterpiece. We become the good work that he is creating. And he's doing this so that we in turn would do good works that glorify Christ. Doing good to others will never be sufficient for earning you a place in heaven, but doing good is the natural outflow of those who've been shown mercy. Paul goes on to talk of God's grace transforming our status and our relationships. 
In Ephesians 2, formerly you who were Gentiles by birth, meaning from the nations and ethnicities beyond Israel, formerly you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near, have been invited in through the blood of Christ. As a result, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of His household. Build on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Jesus Himself being the chief cornerstone of this new building. In, whole, in Him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And you are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. All the excluded who welcome Christ become included in God's circle. Foreigners become fellow citizens of His people. Strangers become family. The far off are brought near. The disconnected are joined together to become the place and people where God dwells. A new living temple, not constructed with cold, massive stones held together by mortar like the temple of Artemis, but comprised of diverse human beings joined together by God's love and mercy, inhabited by His Spirit. With all of this in mind, Paul then says, for this reason I bow before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. The God whom Paul, to whom Paul prays is the father of all fathers, the origin of all earthly families. The Greek word for family, patria, is derived from the Greek word for father, pater. All other fatherhood is derived from him. All parenthood owes its life to our heavenly father. Paul declares in Athens, in Acts 17, the God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth. He himself gives life and breath and everything else to everyone. From one man, Adam, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. All we have, all we are, is from and sustained by our loving Heavenly Father who makes us family with one another. Paul continues in his prayer in Ephesians 3. I pray that out of his glorious riches 
He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. God's being, His authority, His resources are inexhaustible. He's not skimpy in His gifts to us. He doesn't shortchange us as His children. It's not a stretch for Him to share His goodness and strength with you and me. Scripture prays for us that we might trust and lean into God's kindness, generosity, into His sufficiency, His wisdom. His Spirit lives within us to make His presence palpable, to make His presence real to us. In talking with His disciples before the crucifixion, Jesus told them, I'm going to Him who sent me. I'm returning to my heavenly Father. And then He says this remarkable thing, Truly I tell you, it's for your good, it's to your advantage that I am leaving you. How in the world could that be? Because if I go, I will send the Advocate, the Holy Spirit to you. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, but when He, the Holy Spirit of truth comes... He will guide you step by step into all the truth. I'll ask my Father and He will give you an advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world doesn't see Him, the world doesn't know Him, but you know Him for He has been with you and He will be in you. Anyone who loves me will follow my teaching. My Father will love that person and we will come to him or her and make our home with that person. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, will teach you all things and remind you again and again of the things I have told you. Paul continues in his prayer. I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is this love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Our minds and hearts barely stretch a few feet around the sequoia-sized trunk of His love. This is something we can't even begin to grasp on our own. No, Lord, we need You to reveal Yourself to us. We need the supernatural help of your Spirit to open on our minds, to fill our hearts, to move our stubborn wills. 
Do it, Lord. While this requires our minds, it's far beyond an intellectual exercise. To know Christ is to know, is to taste God's love. A love far beyond head information. A love that's tangible and experiential and brings transformation. A love that fills us and then in turn can overflow from us. I like a song called The Power of Love. It's different from the Huey Lewis in the News version. This is a song written by T-Bone Burnett. I wish I had a name like T-Bone. And recorded by Mark Hurd. It says, the power of love can make a gangster cry. Make a loser try. The power of love can make a strong man weak. Can make a bigot meek. The power of love can make a coward brave or make a hero afraid. The power of love can make a miser give, can make a dead man live. The power of love is the name of names who melts away all our pain. Lord, grasping the depths of your love is not something we'll arrive at in a day or a month or a year. But Lord, we long to progressively know you more and more, more truly, more deeply across our lifetimes until that day when the engagement ring of your spirit within us turns into the wedding celebration of being face-to-face -face with you, surrounded by and filled with you, when our weak, sin-prone bodies are made new and we are home with you forever. I want to talk just a moment about opening the door to Christ about beginning the journey. In John's Gospel, we read this startling uh, phrase that the Word, the living Word of God, became flesh and lived among us. He was in the world, and though he made the world, the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people who should have welcomed him, but they did not receive him. But John writes, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to be God's children. There's a response to Christ's proposal required on our part. Curiously, maybe another love story can help us. In the Gospel of Matthew, we read about Joseph. We read 
that an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Joseph had, had heard that Mary was pregnant, was considering quietly divorcing her. But the angel assures him, this is the Holy Spirit's working. She will give birth to a son. You'll give him the name Jesus. He will save the people from their sins. And we read, when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife. The same Greek word that John uses in his gospel as many as received Jesus have the right to become children of God. Is the same word Matthew uses in his, his gospel when he says that Joseph took Mary home as his wife. He received her. He said to her, I do. I covenant, I am yours, and you are mine. For me in my own life, I came to hear Christ knocking at the door of my heart when I was in high school. And I took the conscious step of saying, Lord, there's a lot I still need to understand about you, but I believe you came to restore me in a relationship with my Heavenly Father. I believe in you. I offer my life to you. I want you to become the boss in my life. Come in. And that decision at age 15 changed the trajectory of my entire life. Not simply the direction I was headed, but also I experienced for the first time in my life, God is not far away, distant, and angry. But for the first time in my life, I felt, Lord Jesus, you are here with me. And, and for the first time in my life, I'm on the right page with you. And I begin to see changes in my desires, in my attitude, in my character. And over the years, I've experienced knowing Christ and walking with Christ as something that fills my heart my life, my soul. And has led me to 
gossip about him to guys in my state university dorm room and my colleagues as, as a teacher in the public schools that in time prompted me to move to another country and learn a new language and live in a Muslim culture so I could love people who have a different worldview and share this treasure of Jesus with them. I've seen the difference he makes on the faces and in the lives of Syrian refugees living in Lebanon. Sitting in tents in the refugee camp where they have next to nothing, have been stuck there for 10 years. But women and men who tell me, with all that I've lost, with all that's happened, with all that I've given up to be here, I thank God because now I know peace. Because now I have Jesus. Because now I have someone and something that is worth far more than all of what I've given up or lost. Last summer I was with about 600 believers from 40 different nations as we went door to door to door to door in Greece and distributed 177,000 New Testaments to homes. Knowing Him transforms us. I want to talk for a bit on making Christ your welcome guest. On making Christ your welcome guest. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says, So then, as you've started by receiving Christ Jesus, continue to live your lives in Him. Become rooted in Him. Be built up in Him, strengthened in your faith, and become overflowing with gratitude. Galatians 5.22 tells us that what flows from the Spirit's residence within us is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that His Spirit brings into our lives. I want to recommend to you, because I don't have time to, to walk through it in person this morning, but I want to recommend to you a booklet 
that as a young believer I came across that really helped me in thinking about my relationship with Christ and making him at home in my life. It's called My Heart, Christ's Home, and in it the author walks us through the dining room of his life, the study of his life, the living room, the rec room of his life, his workshop, his bedroom, and a closet. And concludes in talking about how he transferred the deed of his home over to Christ. What does it mean for us to make Christ welcome in our 2024 lives? For him to take up residence in all that we are and all that we do. I love this scripture from 2 Corinthians 8, 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. Can you trust a Savior like that? First Peter 1, 8 and 9. Though you have not seen him with your eyes, Peter had seen him, but though you have not seen him with your eyes, you love him. And even though you do not see him, you cannot see him physically now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the rescuing of your souls. Isn't this your desire for yourself and those you love in 2024? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the invitation to your table. That you are a friend of sinners. That you desire relationship with us. And as you knock on the door of our lives, if we simply open and receive you, you will come in. If you haven't yet taken that step, I invite you to open the door to Christ. Your own simple invitation is sufficient.
And if you have taken that step, I invite you to make Christ welcome in the whole of your house. And to enjoy His presence and to see His working to transform what happens in all the dimensions of your life as you do life together. And Lord, we give praise to you now with Paul's continuing words from Ephesians 3. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in our lives, in the church, and in Christ Jesus through all all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Praise God that he has redeemed us from the pit and crowned us with love and compassion. And the song we're going to close with today reviews for us the true gospel and what he has done in bringing us from death to life. Let's stand and celebrate together.
good to worship together this morning. Next Sunday, we're going to begin a new sermon series entitled The Greatest Story, and it will follow the unfolding story of Scripture from creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. As we did with the Matthew series, uh, we have journals available for you for following along, for taking notes. So journals are available in the atrium. You're welcome to pick one up as you leave this morning. Also, as many of you know, Pastor Bill Brown is concluding his service as one of our pastors here at Wheaton Bible. We're grateful for Bill's 14 years in faithfully serving our congregation and invite you to express your gratitude to Bill and extend blessings to his family as the Lord guides them into a new season of life. Bill will will be in the atrium Uh, just outside uh, our uh, gathering place here. Uh, Bill will be near the Global Outreach Center if you'd like to stop by and greet him this morning. Our benediction. Oh God, may you be gracious to us and bless us and make your face shine upon us so that your ways may be made known on earth your salvation among all nations. Wheaton Bible Church, you are sent. Go and step with the Spirit of Christ. <laughs>